The race isn't given to the swift nor the strong, but to the one that endureth until the end. Didn't really understand what that truly meant growing up as a young kid in church. And again, I was in church all the time growing up as a kid, so it's a part of my history. So I have to tell you a little bit about it again. So as a kid, I ran track a lot and my development began in sport very, very early. And uh, my school, Our Lady Help of Christian, I went there when I was in fourth grade. I actually started at Madison Avenue School from like kindergarten to uh, third grade. And then I went to Our Lady Help of Christian, which I think I talked about before. And when I was there, we had uh, some amazing coaches. One was Coach Rob, who was pretty cool. There was another uh, coach named Paul, who was at St. Rocco. And then he had another coach. He worked with named Chicago, this big dude named Chicago. And uh, then there was Mr. Ross. Mr. Ross is uh, pretty cool. Actually, Mr. Ross is still teaching basketball. He's actually going to be DJ's basketball coach. Pretty, pretty awesome. Very indebted to these men. And these are all very, very strong black men who decided to get back to their community. And um, they taught a lot of us uh, fundamentals and basics. Uh dealing with respect, dealing with uh, being athletes, training us, uh, teaching us how to run um, and how to successfully, you know, uh, and gracefully either, you know, not wallow in our defeat or get too exuberant and rub it in somebody's face if we won. So I had so many ribbons growing up, first place ribbons, first place ribbons all the time because I was pretty fast as a kid had a lot of trophies, a lot of trophies, because every Saturday we would have major races at this park that was on 18th Avenue. I don't remember the name of the park exactly, but it is still there, and the track is pretty much updated. Um, When we were running there as kids, it wasn't, you know, one of the best tracks, but now it's pretty, pretty cool for the kids, and I see a lot of schools there. So anyway, I remember being very determined as a kid, um, to be fast and um, now one I was never really supposed to play sport because I was born with the heart murmur and my mother didn't tell me that until you know I could really understand what it was so the one thing my mother didn't let me do was play football I really really wanted to play football I really did I love the Pittsburgh Steelers I had all their gear I had the helmet I had the shirt I had the pads it was you know Len Swan and Terry Bradshaw and uh, Mean Joe Green, you know, and all these guys. And uh, anyway, my mom didn't let me play football because of the heart murmur, and because there was a kid who was around our neighborhood who had gotten paralyzed from playing football. So she said I couldn't do that. But with the heart murmur, I didn't let it stop me. I wanted to be athletic, so I tried it. <laughs> And um, track was something that I loved. And again, I was one of the fastest kids and I always won. I was always in first place. Don't know why, but I was. I was determined. And uh, the coaches were always pretty cool, you know, giving me techniques to to do and encouraging me. And and unfortunately, um, you know, my mom and dad really didn't see a lot of my early development um, they did not come to my track meets. Um, 
uh, it was a lot of the coaches and just the kids. Some parents would be there, but not, not a lot of parents would be there. If they were local, they would, but, you know, parents had to work and all that good stuff. So, but I would bring home all these trophies, all these ribbons, and my parents would put them on the mantle. I'd put them in front of the fireplace, and it was pretty cool. Um, and I knew that I was pretty fast and um, wanted to develop it. And this was kind of sort of before I started playing basketball. But track and basketball are kind of like they go hand in hand, right? I mean, you have to be fast for both sports and you have to be disciplined and you have to have um, techniques. Um, So anyway, some of the techniques that I learned from running uh, track, I actually could transfer to basketball. So I started playing basketball about fourth grade and these same coaches, Coach Rob, uh, Coach Paul, Chicago, and Mr. Ross all began to teach me basketball as well. And I excelled pretty early with basketball. I really didn't, you know, understand a lot of the rules and hand-eye coordination and all that. But it just kind of came to me naturally. I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to basketball, actually. I started in fourth grade when some of my friends had already been playing since, like, you know, second grade, really. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. But in the fourth grade, I was a little tall. I was one of the taller ones. Um, Couldn't be on small fry because I was, like, 5'9 or 5'9 half. And I had to be 5'8 in order to be on small fry. And uh, so I was one of the taller kids. So they had me play the three position. And the three position is the forward position. And uh, I would score a lot of points all the time. Just like take two dribbles and, you know, be at the bucket. You know, scoring 15, 20 points a game was pretty cool. But again, my parents didn't see a lot of my basketball games. They didn't uh, see a lot of the development that was happening um, the race is not given to the swift or the strong, right? But the one that endures until the end. So, playing basketball, running track kind of went hand in hand. So, I think I mentioned before that in high school, I did run cross country. And cross country then prepared me for my basketball season. Because it was like back to back, you know. It was like uh, the beginning of the school year was uh, track and um and cross country and uh cross country would be 3.1 miles 3.1 miles the race is not given to the swift or the strong but to the one that endorphins to the end so in cross country there's not a lot of black guys that really do <laughs> in my neighborhood <laughs> that do distance we did sprinting um hurdles uh you know relays they were very very swift but I was blessed with both. I could do distance and I could do sprinting. And uh, a coach uh, saw me running and said, hey, you should join the cross-country team. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I joined the cross-country team, but I knew I was going to be successful at it because I knew that I, you know, was fast. Um, But the endurance training um, was something I had to get used to. I had to get used to the 3.1 miles and pacing myself and um, didn't know, you know, what type of mile I really needed to run in order to really, you know, come in for between the, you know, first and third place. Um, but there was a, it was a learned discipline. So I knew I wasn't running a four-minute mile because, you know, there were very few people who were running four-minute miles back then. Um, but to run 3.1 miles, you can do it in like, a, you know, some people would finish in 16 minutes, some people would finish in 20 minutes. You know, some people would finish 23 minutes. You know, I broke some records in high school and things. It was pretty cool. 
the endurance, the endurance part. And the endurance part helped me because I was unable to translate it into the basketball. And I was always the fastest. I was always the most in shape and uh, very grateful for the endurance training, right? So all four years I ran cross country and we would go to these invitationals and invitationals invitationals are different than um than the school meets so to speak the school meets we would just run against one specific school there would be a race male and female and that was it when you go to the end invitational invitational is like every school is there you know in ss county or from different counties we were part of group four so there were plenty of schools who or participating um, I remember the feeling of getting on the bus early in the morning and getting on the line and getting on the grass and feeling it you know and beginning to run and get out really really quick in the first pack in the first 20 you know I always made it my business to be in the first 20 uh, I know if I could get in that first 20 and get out and get in that first pack and kind of get the pace and have my own rhythm and but I was always the only like black guy <laughs> in the uh, in the pack. It was all these white dudes, but just me. And uh, they didn't really think I could keep up, but I kept up. And uh, many invitationals I won, which is pretty cool. Um, they come back, you know, Monday morning and say Dwayne Clark did da 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 da. You know, cross country. Everybody would clap and all that it was pretty cool. And, um, but the endurance, it taught me about endurance and pacing and, you know, and the pace, I would always have the rhythm. I would go, one, two, three, one, two, three, always had a rhythm when I was running that would help my breathing so that I would, you know, really have enough to have some left in the tank when I get toward the end of the race to be able to really have a nice sprint toward the finish line. The race isn't given to the swift or the strong, but the one that endures until the end, right? One time I had a setback. Um, it was one of the first uh, <laughs> invitationals that was pretty difficult. Happened to be running, and when I was running during the race, and I was in the first 20, and it was cool, and I stepped on a rock. And when I stepped on this rock, it kind of tweaked my back. And I was like, oh my goodness, and it was a lot of pain. I remember the pain like it was yesterday because I still feel the pain all these years later from that one injury. Crazy, right? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> I refuse to not finish the race. And I know the, you know, the race isn't given to the swift or the strong, but the one that endures until the end, I get it. You know, I should have been finished with the race and, you know, the, at least 20, 20, 18 to 20 minutes, right? But it took me a little bit longer <laughs> more like 25 or so, so they knew something was wrong, because I wind up, you know, coming in with the last pack, and it was a setback, it was, it was, to have an injury with cross country was kind of debilitating, it was like, oh, you know, I was the leader of the team, I was captain of the team, and all that, and it was rehab, and, you know, going to see the trainer, and all that, and my back just wasn't the same since, but I was still fast, I was still fast, I didn't let it get me down I was still running races and recovered from it and got back in the race and you know and uh you know finished strong after four years doing that cross country it was pretty cool so when I would then go and play basketball you know there was so many guys who were so much more talented than me let me just say that first of all uh, Irvington, New Jersey, there is plenty of basketball talent, okay, there is not, you know, a lack thereof, 
uh, freshman year, uh, I made the JV team and freshman team. And sophomore year, I made the JV team. And I, Hassan and I, my friend Hassan, who's passed on blessings to Hassan and his fam. Uh, Hassan and I were really close, so we both made the JV team. And we had this coach, Coach Mate, who was there freshman year and stuff. And then he stopped coaching. And then we had Mr. Moxley. Mr. Moxley was a pretty cool coach. So we both thought we could make the varsity team. So we had asked if we could play JV and still, you know, be on the varsity team, even if we want to ride the pine, so to speak, just so we could be a part of the team. I was always, you know, ambitious in that way, always self-driven, wasn't settling for being where I was. Now, again, I was a three position now, and the three, you know, the one is the point, the two is the shooting guard, the three is the wing, the four, the five, right? But they were on the block, the blocks, and and in the center and I was always in a corner you know and I could score 20 to 30 points in a game just getting the ball in the corner and either shooting a jumper or taking the ball to the hole you know the baseline was my place that I thrived and um yeah it was pretty cool so we tried out for varsity team and the varsity team was pretty stacked you know they had freshmen who were starting basically like the talent was like that and guys were 6'2 6'3 6'6 6'7 I was at 5'11". <laughs> Hassan was like 6'2", 6'3". And uh, it was pretty talented. It was a pretty talented group of young guys, you know. And um, all, you know, all walks of life. You know, some were involved in some gang stuff. You know, some, some were involved in the books. You know, um, they called me Rev in high school because I was in church all the time. So they called me Rev. Yeah, that's what it was. <clears throat> so anyway, I think I mentioned this before. So we made the varsity team um, our sophomore year, and I was determined, determined to be a starter the next year, which was going to be the junior year. So I worked my butt off that summer, got up in the mornings, went down to the park, tried to work on my ball handling. Now, change happens, right? We all have change in our lives. So what happened was I was a three position the three positions were already filled on the varsity team. So the coach told me if I wanted to be on the team that I had to then transfer to be a point guard. Now, I wasn't handling the ball that much ever because all I would do was just catch it, take two dribbles, go to the hole, and that's it. Point guard is completely different than the three position. Three position is a whole different discipline than a point guard. Point guard position means you really, really have to control the ball, meaning that you are really calling out the plays you really have to know the plays you really have to be able to read the defense and what it's giving you you have to be able to tell the guys where to go if you're running a 14 if you want a 3-1 whatever it is right and it comes with a lot of responsibility and I wasn't kind of used to that you know which then meant I then um, when I was used to scoring I then had to stop shooting I then had to distribute the ball you know which meant like I was became more like a Isaiah Thomas, who played for the Detroit Pistons back in the day, or more like a uh, Tim Hardaway, who played for the Miami Heat in his crossover, you know. And again, there were a lot of guys who had crazy ball handling ability. Um, and the coach, you know, he believed in me. Um, and uh, But I really didn't believe in myself at that time because the, the transition was very, very difficult. And um, it was kind of debilitating because I knew that I could probably get you know, scouted because I was a scorer, you know, um, but because I was 5'11 and my other friends were 6'2", 6'3", and taller, um, 
I then had to stop shooting. I became more of the distributor, so to speak. And again, that was a different discipline. So I had to, uh, to learn the point guard positions. I would watch people and I would try to do the ball handling. I would go to basketball camps and I dedicated, dedicated hours and hours and hours of my life to trying to be decent, you know? And some of it came easy, some of it was very, very hard. Not gonna not gonna lie and say it was not hard. Now, for the physicality of it was not that difficult for me because I was always fast and low to the ground anyway. It was more so, you know, bringing the ball to court and, you know, running the plays and really having that responsibility of really just pass, 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 screen, pass, screen, pass, screen, get this guy open, you know, you don't take the shot, you always look for the other guy first, you know, it was very much a lesson in being selfless, you know, um, the race isn't given to the swift or the strong, but the one that endureth until the end, right? So it was a humbling experience because, you know, yeah, we would win. We would win big time. Like, we we would compete with some of the best in the state. And we were loaded. And um, it was an interesting experience, you know, high school between running cross country and playing basketball for four years. Four years I did that. And in that preparation, uh, you know, uh, preparing for cross country season, which was all about endurance training, and then um, transferring then to basketball and having to have a different type of uh, discipline, um, so to speak. Uh, those were very, very challenging times and very enjoyable times at the same time. And uh, say all that to say, the lessons learned in both of those sports um, really I believe have prepared me to have the longevity that I've had for 25 years now in the professional world of entertainment the ups and downs the no's the struggles the pains the setbacks the injuries um, all dealing with you know building longevity um the race isn't given to the swift or the strong, but the one that endureth until the end, right? So you would think 25 years in that, you know, I would so-called be at a different place. <laughs> Sometime I ask myself that, you know. But I know that's not over. I know that I'm going to stay in the game. I know that um, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. I know that. 25 years of longevity, 25 years of ups and downs, 25 years of working with different people, 25 years of traveling the world, 25 years of disappointment, 25 years of exhilaration. Um, I'm enduring. Um, I've, I've endured some pains that most people probably would have stopped doing what I'm doing uh, because they probably could not have endured some of the setbacks that I encountered walking into an audition room lighting up the room knowing I put it down and then uh, you do the gig uh, you do the workshop the reading and they say oh my gosh you're incredible you're you know, no one's not going to find anybody like you and then they call you a month later they tell you oh we're going a different way you know so you lose that money 
lose that job, setback, or disappointment. It's okay. I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm going to keep trying to endure. Keep trying to endure. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. I see a lot of my friends on national TV, national commercials, voiceovers, winning Tony Awards. It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to stay in the game. I'm happy for them. I got to bless them because they're winning. It's their time to shine. I know my time will come. 25 years in seems like a long time, but in many, many ways, I guess I'm still a rookie. Uh, a lot of people talk about Sam Jackson's career. Sam Jackson was actually 20 years in before he like got his big, big break with uh, Jungle Fever back in the day when he was playing a crackhead. <laughs> so I keep saying it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I'm not going to stop until I win. Right? Keep on fighting, keep enduring, keep enduring. Because I know it's not a sprint. It's not a sprint. So I try to uh, take it as it comes. I try not to get too high or too low. Uh, I get offered readings, I get offered workshops, I do podcasting, I've done commercials, I've done Broadway, I've done opera. It's been a very, very uh, interesting journey. Um, and it's not, again, a sprint, it is uh, a marathon. Imagine preparing for an opera. Imagine the rehearsal period that comes with preparing for an opera, uh, singing on an Italian uh, opera house in Bologna, Italy. Imagine preparing for that and what that is. And only because I've had the foundation, the basics, the training, the losses and the struggles and uh, the the long runs and the longevity that came with me preparing for cross country. All those things have helped me to prepare for what I've faced in 25 years of being in the entertainment industry. Imagine doing eight shows a week and what that's like on your body. That takes a lot of work. That is not a sprint. That is definitely a marathon. You think about the people who are doing Lion King and some people have been doing Lion King for almost 20 years. That's longevity. Right? You see some people who are one-hit wonders. People say, oh my gosh, they're overnight success. You see them, they have one hit, you never hear from them again, right? Is they win one Tony Award, you never hear from them again. No longevity. This this thing, this life, this game, this life, this life is about longevity. It's not about a sprint, young people. It's about it's about the, the journey, right? You may not get there when everybody else gets there, but eventually if you stay in the game, you're going to get there. You're going to win. Denzel Washington said, if you sit around the barbershop long enough, guess what? You're going to get a haircut. That's just how it is, right? Uh, A quick story about Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington was actually, his life was actually going in a very, very different direction. He actually went to college, I believe, to be a doctor. And he was taking some courses and really couldn't pronounce even the courses that he was taking. So he had, uh, he was really failing. Honestly, he was failing in his classes and, uh, the school told him that he needed to take some time off, so he needed to restructure his his kind of uh, his major. So, uh, long story short, he uh, his mother was uh, a beautician like my mother, <laughs> and uh, one day there was a woman in there who uh, spoke a prophecy over his life. He says, and uh, she said, "Young man, you were going to speak to millions of people." And he didn't believe anything about it, you know, went about his life. But then he went back to college. He switched his career. Longevity. We know Denzel Washington is one of the biggest movie stars of all time. Longevity. He started one place. Didn't kind of sort of work out. He had to restructure, revamp himself. Find out 
really, really where his gifts lied, and then became this mega, mega, mega star, longevity. He's been in the business for well over 20 years, maybe even 30 years at this point, made major, major films, and someone I aspire to prayerfully one day be like, you know? But there's something about this longevity thing, young people. Something about it. Longevity, it goes a long way. So in the world of Instagram and Facebook and and people wanting to have instant success, you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta you gotta go through the journey and the process is good. And I want you all to think the process is not good, you know. Process is necessary. And the things that come in between when you start and when you finish, the things that are in between are most important, right? Because, you know, you can, again, see a person who, you know, seems to have all of it right now, you know, oh my gosh, they're blowing up, they're on TV, da 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 then something happens and they're downfall and you never hear from them again. I've seen it so many times. So stay in the game. Think about becoming your best self. Think about the fact that the race is not given to the swift or the strong, but the one that endures them to the end. I'll tell you a quick story. So I worked with this gentleman who was incredible. I don't know if I've told this story or not, but I worked with a young man who was absolutely incredible. He was very gifted. He was a dancer and one of the most beautiful souls you'll ever meet in your life. And uh, I was from Florida. And I had a chance to work with him on a show called Tarzan. Now, when I did Tarzan the musical, I'm not going to tell you all about my musical theory experience now. That's for another book. <laughs> but when I did Tarzan the musical, uh, I was slated just to be an offstage singer. And then because they didn't have enough uh, gorillas on stage, so to speak, uh, they made the singers then step on the stage. So anyway, you just got to be prepared for these things, young people, just how it is. And always be open. Never tell anybody, no, I can't do this. I can't do that. Okay? So anyway, I worked get next to this young man. It was great. And then years later, we wind up getting cast in a show called Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. We worked together for three years uh, in that show. And in uh, Tarzan, we worked together for about two and a half years. So I dressed next to this young man. Uh, you know, during Tarzan, we had to wear a lot of makeup. It was crazy. And actually doing Spider-Man, we actually put on some makeup too for the top of Act 2 doing this, uh, uh, what is it called? Um, it was a Green Goblin song where the ensemble had to put on this crazy makeup. So anyway, Marcus, um, very, very gifted, very gifted dancer, uh, beautiful young man. One of the nicest people you ever meet in your life. So... On your journey, you may have things that happen, okay? Now, as an actor, again, I see a lot of great days. I see a lot of low days. I see a lot of great years. I see a lot of not-so-great years, okay? My goal has been to try to stay as even-keeled as possible, okay? Um, during the valley times or going to be the toughest times. I'm not going to tell you this journey is going to be easy because it's not. It's just not. You're going to have some things that are going to come and try to knock you off kilter, but you have got to have enough strength and enough fortitude to go, you know what, I'm going to stay in the game and I'm not going to let this other thing overtake me. So now we're going to just step into this room for a second. So I would suggest all of you stay away from drug and alcohol. That would just be my suggestion. I spoke a little bit about 
my experience with family members in that. But I want you to know, drug and alcohol really can do you no good in this life. It just really can. And again, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And just because you don't see something right now does not mean it's not going to happen for you eventually. Just because you hear a no does not mean that's the end. So apparently Marcus was dealing with some things. I did not know that he was addicted to anything. You would never know that. But he got hooked on some crystal meth. I don't really know what crystal meth is because I don't really do the whole drug situation. But crystal meth I hear is pretty bad. And it causes you to hallucinate. And in that, Marcus and um, his then boyfriend, I guess, had uh, gotten high. And I was doing, I believe I was doing the color purple when I heard the news. Turn on the news and they say, Broadway actor murders his boyfriend something like that and I was like well that's crazy and then they say his name and I start freaking out I'm like they got that wrong no way turn up the news go to New York Times sure enough it's Marcus nobody knew what happened lovers rage something or the other I don't know but apparently they had gotten high on crystal meth and he started hallucinating and in his hallucination he said that he thought he was seeing the devil in front of him and he was trying to kill the devil and that's when he murdered his boyfriend, his lover it's deep because your mind will play tricks on you and this is why you've got to be sober you've got to be able to endure you've got to be able to know that your mind has to be strong in order to endure because this life is not a fight for your body (coughs) I believe that it's about your mind And there are forces out there. There are. There are forces that are trying to overtake your mind. That's where the drug and alcohol come in. And people try to escape the pain. And the no. And I should have been a star. And I should have been here. And I should have been there. And let me escape and get away from the pain. But that can get you nowhere. I can guarantee you that it will get you nowhere. So hold on. No, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Learn some endurance now. Become mentally strong now. Know that you matter now. Tell yourself, I am amazing. I am a gift. Even though they don't see it now, I know I will be successful. Your mom and dad may not ever tell you that you're a beautiful soul, but I'm telling you, you are a beautiful soul. 
You may be a 40 or 50 year old person reading this and I'm going to tell you, yes, you are beautiful. You are not defined by your mistakes. So what? You had a divorce. You can pick yourself back up. Get back in the game. So what? She left you. So what? He left you. You cannot think less of yourself. You are an amazing gift to this world. And so many of us forget to tell other people how incredibly special they are. We walk past people on the street. We judge people. We see people in a weak moment and we define them and we give them their whole story in that one moment, in that one weak moment. And it's a shame. But I want to encourage each and every one of you whom are reading this to constantly believe in yourself. Yes, the pain will come, but you can get through the pain. People have endured worse. You can get through it. And just because you had a setback does not mean you will not have an even greater comeback. You are powerful. You are strong. You are amazing. You are a gift to this world. You matter. You matter. You matter. And don't let anybody make you feel like you don't. You matter. The race is not given to the swift or the strong, but the one that endureth until the end. Last story and then I'm gone. Here's an amazing man. Irving Magic Johnson. Irving Magic Johnson had it all. High school, megastar. College, all-star. Many, many battles with the great Larry Bird and himself. Magic Johnson went to Michigan State University under the great Judd Heathcote. Magic Johnson was drafted to the Los Angeles Lakers Showtime. This is when basketball for me was at its height. Everybody wanted to see the Showtime Lakers. Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, Byron Scott. So Magic Johnson had it all. Beautiful wife, loving children, millions of dollars. And L.A. The race isn't given to the swift or the strong, but the one that endureth until the end. So Magic Johnson was having this beautiful career, and then all of a sudden, uh, my goodness, he comes out with this news. And Magic Johnson tells the world that he acquired HIV, and he had to retire from the game of basketball. Now, he didn't have to tell the world that he had HIV. He could have just, you know, went off quietly and, you know, just said, I'm retiring from the game and not told anyone, right? But I guess he felt an obligation to tell people that this disease had inflicted him and he was going to do everything in his power to fight against it, to live. Because HIV back then was like a death sentence. Believe you me, I know. I lost a brother HIV AIDS. So I know the impact of it. We lost a lot of people because they gave up. The te- uh, the uh, We lost a lot of people because they couldn't afford drugs and things back then. Anyway, so 
Magic Johnson retired from the game of basketball and refused to go away quietly. Now, was he living a fast life? He probably was, but he then probably realized it was more about the marathon than it was the sprint. So he had to revamp his life. He had to restructure things. He had to get into the business world to become a venture capitalist. Capitalist, And he was buying businesses, Starbucks, and he was fighting his HIV. And he, a lot of people said he should have been dead years ago. But here's a man who fought through many, many things, fought through a major, major setback, and is still impacting communities and he is a global icon. Now, imagine if Magic had given up, said, I have HIV, I'm out of here. I can't help anybody. I'm the lowest of the low. People are going to think the worst of me. His wife stayed by his side. I mean, come on. Who does that? Longevity people. That's just one story I could tell you. But there's so many more. And I'm sure you have your own story to tell. You can do this. You can make it. You can become something amazing in this life. Do not let one setback take you out of here. You're stronger than you know. You're better than you know. And you live your life for you. Don't live your life for other people. Magic Johnson didn't live his life for other people. He left it for him. He wanted to be here for his wife and his kids and his grandkids. And that's what he did. He fought past all the naysayers, all the players who said they didn't want to play with him. You know what he did? He came back. He came back and played in the NBA. He came back and played for the Dream Team. After his diagnosis with HIV, he played for the Dream Team. And won gold medals. How about that? You have more in you than you know. I wish nothing for you but to have the greatest success in this world. Do not let anyone define whom you are. Someone else's opinion of you does not mean that it is fact. That is just their opinion. Your opinion of you means more than anything else in this world. So you believe that you will make it through. You believe that you are a bright shining star. You believe that you can make a difference and leave an impact and a legacy in this world in some way, shape or form. When you're on that job, that is just a job. Say thank you for the experience. This is not my work. This is just my job. Go home after your nine to five and at five, sit down and start formulating your work. Your job is your nine to five. Your work is what you do after what you were meant to do here on this earth. Leave a legacy in your work. Find it. Magic Johnson found his work. He's giving back to millions of people, making people more aware of HIV AIDS, creating businesses, employing people. He is being deployed, not employed, right? Just one example of that. The race is not given to the swift or the strong, but the one that endures until the end.